On December 25, 1991, the Soviet flag was hoisted down for the last time over the Kremlin, symbolizing the purported collapse of the Soviet Union and end of communism. But was this really the end of communism? Today's special guest will examine the supposed Soviet collapse in this episode of Anarchy in America with Christian Gomez. Joining us today to discuss the false collapse of communism is Jimmy from Brooklyn, longtime expert on communism. And before we get started, I just want to say that Jimmy from Brooklyn is someone who I have known for quite a long time. Uh, his voice is well known on New York City's uh, talk radio stations. And uh, Jimmy, we're glad to have you on today. I'm glad to be here. So for those that are watching can you, who may not be aware of you outside of the New York City area, could you briefly describe your credentials to talk about communism? Well, I'm an anti-communist researcher and activist. For over 50 years, I've been studying the communist movement, mostly from inside. I have their training manuals. I have Soviet publications, American Communist Party. Most of what they're doing, they're doing openly. If people would just read their literature, we don't have to be spying on them. We don't have to be hacking their, their, their service because most of what they're doing, they actually write about it before they do it. They write about it as it's happening, and then after they achieve their goals, they brag about it. And for a long time, you had actually infiltrated the Communist Party headquarters in New York City. You, you even have known Gus Hall, the former leader of the Communist Party USA, correct? Well, yeah, I knew him. We weren't like we were buddies or anything. I have some pictures of me with him. And to be honest with you, they were very friendly and very welcoming when they think that you're on their side they're more friendly than actually more friendly than the way conservatives treated me it's pretty sad but so yeah. jimmy um the accepted belief of history is that in 1991 when the soviet flag came down in moscow for the last time at the kremlin that the soviet union had collapsed and that communism the threat of communism had ended america finally won the cold war but you seem to take a different perspective on that. Can you elaborate a bit more on, on uh, where you come from in, in terms of the collapse of communism? Well, there was a Soviet defector. I see the book there on your desk. Anatoly Golitsyn, who warned us before the collapse that there's a coming collapse that's fake. So I read both of Golitsyn's books. Uh, the other book, Perestroika Deception, was actually put together by a good friend of mine, Chris Story from England, who did some work with Margaret Thatcher. But most of what I know and learn about the communists is from their own publication. So a lot of the things that Golitsyn wrote about, I could confirm it from the communists and Soviets press. The Soviets in their own publication, World Marxist Review, they talk about previous fake collapses. And every time they collapse, they say, we took away the image of the enemy, but we continued to work in other ways. Or we did a collapse and we came back stronger. Now, what are some last, of these previous collapses of communism that people probably aren't aware of? They did a collapse. Uh, well, before there was a Soviet Union, the Soviet press writes that uh, Karl Marx did a fake collapse of the International Working Man's Association. And they do that because that throws the counter agencies, the anti-communist intelligence agencies, that throws them out of whack. I mean, it's like we don't have uh, organized uh, anti-cannibal movement in America because we don't have cannibalism. So if you collapse the Communist Party, we have no more anti-communist. 
So through, in the Russian history, they did a, a really big collapse right after the revolution in the Soviet Union. They were having a hard time. The peasants didn't want to go to law, along with it. So the Soviets faked the collapse. It was called the trust. It was called the trust because the operation was headquartered in an old banking building, an old trust building. And that operation was headed by uh, Felix Jozinski, the guy that's known for founding the what we know as the KGB. So as they were faking the collapse, they lured all Western intelligence agencies into Russia. Now, how did they fake a collapse? They had jailbreaks. They let legitimate anti-communists in prison be broken out. Now, some of them were really broken out, but they were allowed to be broken out by the communists. These things were all controlled. They were fake battles. So they lured in people who left Russia, who left that area. They lured them in. So these anti-communists see communists losing battles. They see communist uh, jailbreaks where communists, anti-communists are broken out of prison. That convinced the West that there's an imminent, imminent collapse coming right after the Soviet Revolution. So as that was going on, simultaneously, Lenin did the new economic policy. So the whole Western world figured they're collapsing soon. So they started getting in while the getting's good. They started making heavy investments. So it was a massive transfer of money, food, and technology to the Soviets because they were faking a collapse. They lured in Armand Hammer. Armin Hammer was a communist, came from a communist family. They let him become rich. So he became a rich businessman and he was the proof that you could invest in Russia, in, in the Soviet Russia, and make a lot of money. So they do a simultaneous fake collapse of the system. And as they were doing that, they lured in Western aid and technology. And when they lured in all the top Western intelligence agencies, the leaders, at one, at, when they were done with, the, with this fake thing, they consolidated their victory. They killed all Western intelligence agents that they lured in. And then they bragged about it. And that was back in the 1920s. So uh, what information do you have to corroborate that the 1991 collapse of the Soviet Union was a false collapse and that the communists are still in charge of Russia today and that Russia heads the international communist movement at this time? Well, before the collapse, from 1986 on, in Soviet publications, they were stressing to read early Lenin, read Lenin's early works and uh, work, uh, writings about the new economic policy. So that was to get the broader world communist movement to re-look at the old Soviet history. So that was a hint, something's coming. Of all the 80 years, 100 years of the Soviet history, why would they be pushing people to do research on the new economic policy? Because anybody who would do it would realize that this coming collapse is going to be controlled and fake. In, I don't know if you could see this from there, good? Yeah, we can see it. Okay. This is the 27th Congress Communist Party Soviet Union. This is most of this is written by Gorbachev. So this is 1986 before the collapse. And he talks about taking away the image of the enemy. Georgi Arbatov, the head of the Institute for the Study of USA and Canada, he wrote about and talked about taking away the image of the enemy. So not that the enemy is no longer there. They took away the image of the enemy. And how, did they do, how did they achieve that? Well, they did a collapse. That's the thing. They did the fake collapse. That was taking away the image of the enemy. So Gorbachev is writing about taking away the image of the enemy in 86. 
a lot of people know about Arbatov, but Gorbachev, before Arbatov, Gorbachev was saying it. He was able to fool Reagan and the whole U.S. intelligence. It, it, it's, it's like a, it would be a joke if it wasn't a serious situation. So in 1986 here, Gorbachev's talking about taking away the image of the enemy, and that will strengthen the socialist forces in the capitalist countries. Because if there's no fear of a Soviet threat, the socialist threat doesn't look as dangerous. This is why in America today, you have democratic socialist of America. Democratic socialist doesn't sound as scary as communist party headed by the Soviet Union. And also in 1986, Gorbachev's writing about getting close again with China. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And the situation today, you gotta think too, we see the media today, almost the entire media is hard left. They, they denounced Trump. When you see the old documentaries about Hitler, the people doing the documentary, they don't curse out Hitler the way the main, so-called mainstream media curses out Trump. So here they're talking in 1986. I got to read you this. The Congress, now this is the Soviet Congress, but it sounds like the American Congress today. And this, whatever the Soviets write, this goes all over the world. They print it in every language, every language, it goes into every country around the world, above ground and below ground, communist parties all get it. So it goes from the Soviet leadership to the various communist party leadership. And then that filters down from the communist party in every country. So it's every, the Arab world, the Hispanic, Africa, everywhere. Soviets, 1986 here. The Congress notes the growing role of the mass and propaganda media in promoting the party's economic strategy its social policy, and in cultivating the socialist consciousness. It regards television, radio, and the press as powerful vehicles of publicity and instruments of public control. And then it, it continues on and doing things in a Leninist manner and uh, talking about the new world. They actually talk about the new world order in here. So when you combine this, plus what's in World Marxist Review, they keep saying that Czechoslovakia in 1948 is the model. Now, you know what happened in Czechoslovakia in 1948. The communists got into the controlling parts of the government, the enforcement parts of the government. They got, it was like a coalition government, but they got the important parts of the government, and then they had power pressure groups at the bottom. So the pressure from the bottom, and then the pressure from the top, they squeezed out the entire middle. Sort of like when Obama was president. He had the Bureau of Land Management going after the farmers and ranches. He had OSHA going after businesses and factories. Every agency was doing something against America. And now Russia, China, and Iran and North Korea are celebrating that they defeated Trump. It's like a puzzle. You have to put all these pieces together. Yet the mainstream media would have you believe that, that Trump is an agent of Putin when, of course, that is just absolutely ludicrous. It is ludicrous, right? You have the Institute for Policy Studies, tax-exempt KGB front group. One of the founders of that KGB front group is Marcus Raskin. His son is one of the main guys attacking Trump, the son of one of the founders of that tax-exempt KGB front group. You have Pete Buttigieg, the failed mayor of that little town, and now he's in, uh, he's in the cabinet. His father was the founder and leader of the International Gramsci Society. Gramsci is the Italian strategist, communist, 
who said in Italy, you can't have the rich versus the poor, the, the factory owners versus the workers, farmhands versus the farm owner, because Italy had something binding the whole country together. They were all Catholic. So Gramsci came up with the idea that you have to penetrate all the culture and religion. So naturally, when they push Gramsci strategies in the Arab world, their movement comes through Islam, and that will explain some of today's radical terrorism. Because remember, the, the, the Soviet allied Muslim terrorists view America as the big Satan. Israel's the little Satan. So the KGB says America's enemy number one, and their Muslim terror allies were enemy number one with the big Satan. It's not a Absolutely. coincidence. Absolutely, and there are little clues if one is discerning. For example, if you look at the flag of Hezbollah, the main terrorist organization in, uh, in the Palestinian territories, what is the flag? It's a logo of a clenched fist, the symbol of international communism, and a right. Soviet AK-47. And yet this is a group of supposedly radical Islamic, yet all of their armaments and weapons come from Iran, which gets its weaponry from Russia, formerly the Soviet Union. And that relationship didn't change in 1991. It was the communists who helped topple the Shah of Iran. So the Shah of Iran, Iran was the bulwark against Soviet expansionism. The Shah was modernizing Iran. It was relatively free and peaceful and prosperous. But because he was like a king or a dictator, the left was able to mount the big movement to topple him. So President Carter, working with communists, communists in Iran, protest all over the world. They toppled the Shah, and ever since then, Iran has been working with the Soviets. So Iran, Iran has proxies, terror groups all over the world. So Iran has proxy terror groups, but Iran is a proxy of Russia. So Russia is able to extend their influence with the Russian mafia. The Russian mafia is the KGB mafia. So now you hear that the Russian mafia is working with Hezbollah and the Mexican drug cartels. So that's three separate intel Soviet intelligence operations now coming together. It's like when you hear MS-13 is meeting with FARC. Now FARC is a communist terror group from Colombia. MS-13 is meeting with FARC in Venezuela. MS-13 is a terrorist organization from El Salvador and Mexico primarily, correct? Well, I think most of MS-13 are Americans from El Salvador, but it's it's bigger now. So they're big in both countries, and I hear now even in other countries around the world. The communists have long sought and planned and actually write about penetrating street gangs and prisons. You know the group, the Revolutionary Communist Party. They have a yep, public Yep, Revcom USA, led by Chairman Bob Avakian. Right. And one of the promoters of that is Reverend Cornell West, who was a regular on Fox News. He used to be on Hannity a lot and Laura Ingram until he got in an argument with Leo Terrell. Leo Terrell put him in his place, black civil rights worker. And Reverend Cornell West has him banana. Now, he toured the country with the leaders of the Revolutionary Communist Party. Now, in their literature, they were they were writing about this was a recent past, like, let's say, a year or two ago. They're writing about 25 shootings in Chicago. So the Revolutionary Communist Party is complaining about the shootings and they write, you have to quit killing each other. You have to get out of the street and into the revolution. There are better things to fight and die for. Because that, that what I heard in the street was what they want to do with American youth, particularly black minorities, is politicize, radicalize, militarize. If you get street gangs into the revolution, they're already militant and communist revolution. If you recruit street gangs and people in prison, 
this is probably part of Antifa today. And we have groups today like the Workers' World Party. They have their free newspaper, um, the uh, Workers' World, that they give. Well, it's free. If you're in prison, they offer free subscriptions. And all they do is radicalize. Uh, real quick, we're really out of time right now. But um, you said that the, the Soviets wanted to get rid of the image of the enemy of communism. What is the end goal for the Soviets? Now that they've removed the image, what should we expect next from Russia and Putin? Well, Russia, China, all these countries work together. That's one thing Gorbachev was stressing here. And now you have Biden talking about unity. That comes all straight into the communist publications. Unity, but that's unity against the right. So you have uh, Gorbachev's talking about getting back with China. You have Iran, Russia, and China doing war games together. So this is like, it looks to me like this is the final push. We are really, I believe, in serious, absolutely serious trouble. People didn't wake up. The World Trade Center attack should have been a hint that we have enemies out there plotting against us. But that actually, remember, they took away the image of the enemy. Ten years later, they gave us a new enemy, radical Islam. The guy, the guy who did the first fake collapse, Felix Dzerzhinsky, who did, did the first time fooling the whole world, take away the image of the enemy, Felix Dzerzhinsky's birthday is 9-11. That's, Ten that's years correct. later, we have a new enemy, radical Islam, which is a branch of the Soviets. But that was 9-11. That's coincidence. Like, like April 22nd, Lenin's birthday is Earth Day. These are not coincidences. And Gorbachev today leads the environmental green movement on the global scale. It all converges together. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jimmy. We hope to have you on again in the future, of course. Good to be with you. Jimmy mentioned ex-KGB defector Anatoly Galitsyn and his two books, New Lies for Old and The Perestroika Deception. Copies of New Lies for Old detailing the planned false collapse of communism and the USSR are available for purchase on shopjbs.org. Until next week, stay educated, stay free, and God bless.